Hello and welcome to Six Questions with the CMO brought to you by Brandwatch. My name's Martin Kelly and I'll be your host. This week, we're joined by Paul Murphy, currently lecturing at Monash University in Australia and in the Marco Army. But Paul's had a great eclectic career and gives so much wonderful advice. I'm sure you're getting, you'll get a lot out of it. One final tip is that me and Paul, many years ago, we used to work together and there is a little bit of reminiscing. So I do apologise for that. But I hope you enjoy. Thank you. Hi, Paul. How are you? I'm well, thanks, Martin. How about yourself? Mate, I'm great. So listen, let's get uh, on with the podcast, mate, because I think we're in for an absolute ripper time. So, Paul, since question from the CMO, first question, tell me about yourself. A little bit of a bio and where do you get your information from? Well... My background is is mainly industrial marketing, um, a little bit of consumer durables, not, not nothing in in the FMCG sphere, but um, but I started out in um, in sales, in industrial sales, and account management, then marketing, product management, that kind of thing, um, and so not the typical marketing background. When most people think about marketing, they're thinking about you know, selling packets of potato chips and ice creams and stuff like that. So yeah, so so quite different. Um, these days, I'm I'm teaching at Monash Uni. Um, I'm a lecturer in the marketing department there. So I've kind of, uh, as I tell my friends, I've retired to academia. <laughs> cool. And where do you get your info from? Like, what blogs do you read? What podcast do you listen to? Well, the the. the Considering the discussion we're having, this might upset you, Martin. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't read a lot of new material. Um, I don't listen to uh, podcasts or blogs. Most of, certainly not, in from an entertainment point of view, I I do. But uh, from a marketing, you know, educating myself, staying in touch point of view, I don't. Most of marketers are terrible beasts. We keep chasing shiny new things. And the fundamentals of marketing haven't changed since the Mesopotamians invented beer 4,000 years ago. It's about providing value to your customers and, and getting paid for it. And the fundamentals of what we do as marketers change very little and they change very slowly. How we do it changes all the time. Yep. So a lot of what what you see on LinkedIn or you hear on podcasts, all this kind of stuff, it's the same old fundamentals rehashed or it's nonsense. So so I like, don't really I don't really buy into a lot of that stuff. I'm quite the contrarian, in fact. I'm a bit of a grumpy old marketer. Look, I do. I listen to a lot of podcasts. I read a lot of stuff. But yep. and I'll be honest, if you went back and listened to just to the every episode, the, the one, sh- or not the one, but one of the main themes through the whole thing is doing the basics right. Get the yeah. basics right. Yeah. That's yeah. it, right? Who's your mentors? I'm a, I, and yeah, I've been to 20 odd to almost 30 years experience marketing, and I still do the food, what, why, when, where, Mac. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and it is, and, it, and it's a simple, like we're, we're looking at doing um, an event in a couple of months' time, and I literally stood in a room and, and I just, just a one page 
of, well, you know, uh-huh. this is the objective of the thing, the amount of people, you're totally right, let's chase the shiny thing. And you're like, okay, yeah. but are we better? And and I'm, I'm, I'm at times I'm, I'm quite simplistic with stuff and it is that, you know, we need to run this big massive event for that. Okay, could we just run yeah. a webinar? Or could we do, it? like, I, I love the, can we just do a mail out? Who does mail outs anymore? People that actually yeah. get some rent because guess what? Or can we just do a round table with some friends? You know, or some really good contacts. And it's like, oh no, but in yeah, so sorry, I I sort of cut across you there, but I'm in hot, like I do totally agree. Do the basics right, you know, know your know your market, know your yeah. customer. And again, back it up with data. So don't just do the yes. it's always been like that. But also yeah. don't go down the data rabbit hole that you're yeah. you know, you're you're wanting about four uh, right, it's a rounding a, error or something. Do you know, like guys, your, your data and analysis has there has to be a point to it. Yeah. So so you're doing it to answer questions. Um, I'm I'm a big believer in you know hunch and, and instinct. Yeah. All the yeah, big believe that's your subconscious going. We've been here before. We've done this before. This is what worked last time, right? And 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 spitting that into your consciousness, but you must test those assumptions. And so, so you need to start that analysis process with, with kind of the end in mind. It's almost you know, and and your your hardcore academic would talk about hypothesis testing and all this kind of stuff, right? Now, but you you think I think this is what we need to do. Let's go test those assumptions. Short samples. Small samples. Let's go see what these people think about that. Um, and and so whilst I, you know, as I said, I you know I've kind of retired to academia, but I'm still talking to business practitioners all the time. I'm still I'm involved with with a uh, with a few companies on a regular basis in an advisory capacity. I'm talking to um, uh, alumni and and practitioners, you know, every week, um, I get, I get a lot of, you know, get less guest lecturers in this kind of, kind of stuff. So I know what's going on outside the window, but I don't really, any, as if, if you try and contact me on LinkedIn and you've got futurist or guru in your title, I won't accept. Yeah. Yep. And cause I'm, I'm a big one for the, for, for the fundamentals. Yeah. Like, do you know what? We could talk for a year about this, but I'm in agreement. As I said, do the basics right, okay? Yeah. And, and as I said, back it up with data, but don't yeah. end up testing. You know, the one thing, and I've, I've, I've banned it, um, is that it would be nice, no, really. Right. Okay, so like the amount of surveys I've done, and I remember one place, and I was really, five questions, we were getting 30% response rates on this. It was through the roof. And the amount of it would be nice to know, and I've gone. That's fine. Every time we ask an additional question, we're going to lose, you know, a nice percentage point, you know, of re- responses. So okay. is it? Oh no, no. But it'd be nice to know. And there's also the one of what are you going to do with that data afterwards. I'm a big yep. fan of you. You want the steel put in? Okay, you tell me what you're going to do with it. Oh, <laughs> but no, no, no. Seriously, tell me what you do. Because see if it's not some demographic information or some real hardcore. Yep. This is what we're going to do with it. It's uh, oh, but we should know what colour hair they've got. Totally shouldn't. We're never going to do anything. Anyway, 
mate, I can't believe it. We're, we're all running nicely in and we're still all in the first question. So let's go to the second question. <laughs> yeah, your, your biggest market success and what did you learn from it? Biggest market success? There's been a few. Um, oh, that's Yeah, that's a tricky one. Um, okay, so in my last days at... I don't know, should I say the company? Probably name? not. Bumble, what would say? All right. At the company. <laughs> I did um, a company in the chemical industry. I'd been working for a company for quite a, lot, a while. People who know me will know who I'm talking about. Um, I was there for quite a while. And in my closing days there, I'd been working with a couple of the other people in the business. We'd been working on getting a very, very significant chunk of business. And it was in the alcohol industry. And... This was business with a very large alcohol, packaged alcohol, potable alcohol um, supplier. And we ended up picking up in the order of, um, you know, it was north of $5 million a year worth of business. And, um, and we picked it up at a price premium. So we actually, we actually flipped this business at a premium to what they had been paying. And the business case that we built for them was not around, not around product quality. It wasn't around any of that kind of, it was about, um, the reason we got the business was because we saved them a couple of million dollars a year in working capital. Yep. And so the thing that, that really got us over the line from a sales and marketing point of view, was our ability to really get inside their business and understand how their business ran, the production flows, the finance issues that they had. So they were importing alcohol from overseas. And at any given time, they had X amount of alcohol in transit, which they had paid for at the factory gate. So they had huge inventory costs. We were able to supply them locally at a higher price on consignment. So we took all that working capital out of their business. We went to, and myself and Veb, the customer's marketing manager, went to their finance manager and said, here, we're gonna save you all this working capital. Give half of it to the marketing manager to spend on his budget, yep. on his goods budget. So I, we got a win-win for the marketing manager and for the finance manager. And we got a higher price than, than the market rate. And it was a really significant chunk of business. So, so the, it was a, it was a really, really an object lesson in, in value adding yeah. and whole of business. And that marketing is not about this. I mean, people think marketing now these days is about bloody TikTok, but, um, it, marketing is a whole of business activity and it's about value adding and, it really was a classic win-win scenario, which people have talked about all the time, but don't really mean. Mate, I could not agree. And I'm assuming part of this was you kept asking the question, why? Why, yeah. why, why? I, yeah, I have yeah. an example of that. And it was, yeah. I sat at, I was at a company, we'd done a deal with, and I, yeah, a major sporting organization, who then mm -hmm. went with a piece of sponsorship. I flew, I flew up to, to Sydney to meet with them. And we did the Let's Not Deep Link first. And they gave the most ridiculous figure out, right? It was, I'll be honest, I had 
I had less than one percent of that budget to spend with them. Okay, it was yeah. right, and I remember just sitting going, "Why do you want this money?" And it worked out. There'd been an, an increase in costs, and it was this is why they were trying to pass it on. And yeah. I, I ended up saying, "Okay, if I can help you get more members," it, and we did, and it literally was one of those only because right. I kept asking why, and then no, I found no. them a solution. Yeah. But it was one of those crazy ones of don't try and sell me. You know how sell me a pen? Well, if I don't yeah, need a yeah. pen, don't sell me a pen. Yeah. Seriously, right? Like, don't try and sell me a pen when I go, yeah. mate, I don't, I literally don't need one, right? And it's, yeah. oh, it's the best quality pen. Well, that's really good, but I need one. You literally just take rough notes and it needs to be, it needs to be no less than 10 cents sort of thing. But you've totally made that one of, and I'm a massive fan of, it should be a partnership. It should not yeah. be right. in... We worked together at a certain place and I remember yep. somebody saying there was a supplier issue and they held them to the contract and then the supplier walked away so the only other supplier yep. in the marketplace was charging them quadruple the amount and, and I'm going, yep. but with a great deal for six months and I'm like, it's not a partnership. Like you've, you've totally, and it was that also that short term, that short term thinking of I've got a deal today, you know? This... I've never, never encountered an organisation which we we name yeah. that was so short term in its thinking. Yes, across every aspect of its business, it was ridiculous. Yeah, it was ridiculous. Yeah. Um, okay, so we've talked about the biggest success we yeah. learned from it, and yeah. every single podcast I say I wish I could change the name of this, but I can't because it actually makes a point. But I don't think there is a, such a thing as a failure. But what was your biggest failure, and what did you learn from it? Um, biggest failure was probably in my own business. So I can name that one. Okay. Um, so, so I started, uh, when I left corporate, one of the businesses I started was a business called InnoVision and that was supplying outdoor weatherproof LCD TVs yep. and digital signage panels. And I started the business in 2007 and... Uh, um, in uh, 2008, the beginning of 2008, I placed my first order on my factory in this contract manufactured factory in Taiwan. And so I placed my first order in 2008, June of 2008. At the time, the exchange rate here was about 94 cents, 2008, June. Yeah. I had to pay... Um, 30% deposit with order, 70% balance on shipping. And the product was due to ship first week of December. So it was going to get here just in time for Christmas. I had pre-commitments from retailers for about 25% of the stock. In between me placing the order in June of 2008 yeah. and the stock arriving in the first week of December, you remember, you will remember what happened. Was that GFC? Is that GFC? It was the GFC. Yeah. So the GFC comes along in September or whatever it was. The Australian dollar goes from 94 and a half cents to 63 or something. So my cost of goods on the 70% balance goes up um, 30% overnight. Yeah. At the same time, the, all the pre-orders from all those retailers cancelled. Yeah. Because demand evaporated. Yeah. So nobody, so interest in 
luxury outdoor televisions, zero. Yes. When if I'm struggling, if I'm struggling to pay my mortgage, I'm not buying an outside TV. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. So, um, so that that kind of external thing happened. Um, but biggest lesson for me was that I that I'd overcommitted. I I'd ordered an entire container load, so I had over two hundred thousand dollars worth of where the stock on the water secured by my mortgage. Right. Okay. So object lesson, um, try, try not to put your mortgage at risk. Fair enough. Yeah. Cause that's where you, that's where your family lives. Um, and the pricing. So, so my cost of goods went up and then I had to discount the product to sell it because demand had collapsed. But I also, I did do a couple of things right to try and paddle my way out of it. I switched my, my, my target market, primary target market of being rich people's backyards yep. that, that evaporated. But my secondary target market was the hospitality industry. So pubs and clubs and their beer gardens and things like that. In the run up to that sort of period, again, back in those early 2000s, pubs and clubs had spent huge amounts of money on outdoor renovation because... Smoking had been banned in, inside. So now they had all these, these crappy little outdoor spaces that they weren't previously u- using. Smokers were now going out there to smoke. So um, a lot of money was being spent on beer gardens. So I switched my, pri- my target market to, to the hospitality industry and um, away I went. However, vastly discounted prices compared to consumers. Yes. So I had to do a lot of paddling then. So um, lesson learned, don't put your house at risk. Um, It's okay if it works and sometimes it will, but you've got to be, you've got to know what's going on. It's not enough to know who your customer is and your business. You've got to keep an eye on those external things. Lots of people were blindsided by the GFC, including myself. What What I did have was a backup. Plan. So I so I had a contingency plan. I could switch market, go after the hospitality industry, but it required me then completely changing my marketing mix. You know the the, the price I already mentioned, but my promotion instead of advertising in hi-fi magazines for consumers, now I was doing the trade show circuit. Yep. In there, so so complete change of the marketing mix. So you've got to be agile and you've got to be fast. You got and and you've. So having a better understanding of that macro external environment would have been pretty useful for me at the time. But there's only there's also, and remember, I've not looked at it, you have. But there's also that at one point you need to hold hands and jump off. You know, you need to you need to uh, take exactly the jump, right? right? And I don't know if you've seen that I've heard the story and I've heard it ten different times. I don't know quite, but the it was the Akeen jobs and then the third guy at Apple and the third guy gave up you, his shares. Yep. Like, yep. do you know what? To yep. this day, I agree with that guy. I am not putting my house at risk yep. because of two basically young yep. guys that are, yep. are good. You know, now everybody in hindsight is like he could be worth a Brazilian. Yeah, but he also could be living on the street and have his family go, hold on, exactly. you were getting exactly. nothing really out of this. So, yeah, I think. And understanding where the, how to, where the balance is in that risk is a really difficult thing. Yeah. Another, if, if I had another object lesson is for, as a marketer, don't fall in love with your product. Yes. 
you know, I was, I was so committed to the product. Yeah. I was so convinced that this was a brilliant idea and particularly, and the domestic residential part of it, but particularly the commercial and the digital display. You know, I, I drive past bus stops every day now with outdoor LCDs yes. in them 10 years later. And I'm thinking, oh, you know, if only. Yeah. But you got to you got to let it go. Yes. You got to yes. let it go. Um, all right, we're on to the the subs. Um, so we've done, yeah, yeah. We've done um, bio. We've done biggest success. We've done biggest failure. Yeah. Um, what do you think's the next big thing in marketing? Um. Well, the topical one at the moment. You know, we talked about marketers yeah. love to chase bright shiny things. Um. I think this self-generative AI space is going to make some fundamental changes. Again, not to what we do, but how we do it. Yeah. For example, um, I've recently done a fundraising thing for hair. So uh, during COVID, I grew my hair ridiculously long, you know, down here. And I've just cut it off and raised $5,000 for the Cancer Council and donated my hair to um, a thing called the Ponytail Project that makes wigs for uh, cancer patients. Okay. So scarily, some 12-year-old girl might be wearing my 58-year-old yep. hair um, in, in the coming months. But uh, the uh, I did a social media post to, you know, as part of this fundraising. I then copied that, cut and pasted it into ChatGPT and said, rewrite this in the format of a press release. And within 15 or 20 seconds, I had a 300-word press release absolutely perfectly formatted. And all I had to do was do a find and replace on the participant to Paul. Yep. And it was done. And it was, it was literally a two-minute job. Now, that's the sort of thing that a marketing graduate over the last few years, they would, so the boss would come along and say, we need a press release for this, go away and write one. And they would spend half a day doing that. Yeah. So what are marketing graduates going to be out, going to be doing? Uh, no, uh, do you know what? Why I, would a company, yeah. why would a company pay them 50 or $60,000 when Microsoft Word is going to do that job for them in another 12 months? The next iteration of Microsoft Word is going to have this. You open up PowerPoint and say, and, and say, make me a twelve-page deck on this. Yep. And PowerPoint will produce it. Open up um, Excel and say, uh, generate a macro on this. You're not going to have to know how to write Visual Basic. If you go into ChatGPT now and ask it to write you a program it will write you the, the code. Yep. So this is going to fundamentally change how we do what we do, I think. We were at a round table last night and um, yep. this came up. And I, I think I, I agree with you. I think it will be the foundation. So I, I did yeah. something yesterday and it was good, but it wasn't quite now. It's going to, it's going to evolve. But being able to do that, do you know what? It's now, it's the foundation. It's the... Uh, you're right. I need a press release on this bang, and then you go yeah. through and go. That's not my tone of voice. That's not my this. You know, but it's Correct. it's tweaking. It's not. Correct. 
just go and send. But yes. that grunt work in that one of that half an hour or half a day when you're just like, and it's, and I think probably, yeah, that stuff of just that really good, that's what I see it being gold. But where we're going to be in five years' time is going to be crazy. That, and that's, that's the point. So if you think about the chat GPT as, a, as an example, we're only talking about it, when did it hit the news? In November? Yeah. Yeah. So we're talking about this thing is three months old. Yes. So the amount of data that has been entered into it, that it has processed, exponential. And as that technology, so Microsoft is a very big part of the OpenAI organization. Yep. So that's where that technology is going. And uh, I, I think it's going to be really, really significant. And it's going to fundamentally change the nature of some roles and yes. the the number of applications for it we haven't even begun to explore and and you're right the more it's used the longer we go the smarter it's going to get it's going to keep learning yeah so i think that's the next big thing um a former employer of yours who's had a virtual monopoly on academic integrity software. Yep. When the, what's it going to be checking if students start using ChatGPT and every single response is original and different, there is no matching to be done. So they're going to have to get on, they'll either be, you know, swamped. Yeah. Or they'll adapt to come up with something that checks that. Process. So um, nobody's going to be standing still on this. No, not at all. And it's not even, it's not that complicated. So see, you know, like there'll be new about the software coming in, you'll be going, I'm going to spend a month running this. The amount yeah. of, I just want this, you know, and yes. the stuff that you don't realize, like I, I'll be honest, up to like a couple of weeks ago, I didn't realize it's spreadsheet functions or it's coding functions. I thought it was just writing. Yes. And now you're like, oh my God. Yeah. So yes, yes I think you're, you're totally right. So next question then, what yep. advice would you give to the 21-year-old marketer? And I give advice to 21-year-old marketers all the time because yep. I teach the capstone unit in the Bachelor of Marketing at Monash. Yep. So every year I've got about 150 um, poor victims who have to listen to my advice. My advice to them is, number one, be media neutral. Just because you live your life on TikTok doesn't mean your audience does. So you must be media neutral. Don't just do what you think. You've got to test those hunches. Yep. I think this. Well, that might be what you think in your 21-year-old brain, but you're marketing to a 45-year-old and they don't live on TikTok. Yep. So you've got to go where they live. And right? so media neutrality, really, really important. Um, understand your value. As a, as, a, as a person, as a, as a marketer, why would an employer hire you when they can use ChatGPT themselves or they can spend $1,000 and subscribe to Ibisworld and read that report just as easily as you can? If you can't create the knowledge and insight, then all you are is, is a male attendant. And I'm, I'm talking male as in M-A-I-L. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So 
um, you actually have to add value to the information that you collect and collate. And that's got to be the, the, the students or graduates' comparative advantage over AI is the ability to make the abstract coherent. And AI will struggle to do that. And, but you have to, you know, that's the value they're going to have to add. So just, and I say to them, you know, I don't care if you use it or not in your study. I don't care. It's not what I'm, your marks yep. and your grades are not dependent on that from me. It's the value that they bring to the table. So they have, they have to keep working on that. What else would I tell them? Uh, don't work for assholes. Ever. You will learn a little bit, but you'll be miserable and no job is worth being miserable for. I've had some jobs where I've been miserable and no amount of money ever compensates you for working for ourselves. So don't do it. One of the, um, as I said to you before, you know, four or five years ago, I retired to academia and it's, uh, at times I do absolutely, I miss the cut and thrust of, of industry, but I don't miss the psychopaths. Yeah. I've never, ever met one in academia. I've met plenty in business. And there are very, very few assholes in academia. So work with nice people is my advice. You don't get paid to put up with assholes. Oh, Louis. Okay, I'm now going to jump in, but I'm going with you. And there's the ones where you learn a lot working, like, I honestly, I've learned so much from working in bad companies than I have from, yep. from good. Yeah. But there's a couple there's in particular. There's a time limit on it, Martin. Oh, no, 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 mate. 100%. Yep. And, and for those that don't know, me and Paul worked together. And we were talking about this before. And I'd quit when I had bought a new house. My wife was five months pregnant with nothing else to go to because the job was making me very, very unhappy. It's that, it yeah. is that simple. And I sat across and we, we chatted with him before. Off here, but I wouldn't let lay upon magic. But you are so right. Do not yeah. make yourself now. I I I look at two managers, right? One manager, nothing could ever go wrong, and if it went wrong, it was the worst thing in the world, and the place was on fire. The oh. other manager, I'm going to call him out again, was a guy called Chris Tarrick from um, the US, and I was two, and I've talked about this in other podcasts. I'm two months into the job, still in probation. And he's like, right, man. And it was it was an open meeting, like with all the market managers. And he went, Mom, you've been here a couple of months. What's the biggest failure so far? Now, at my previous role, if you did fail, you took it to a field, you dug a hole, you hid it in the yeah. hole, then you've concreted yeah. over that hole and it never happened, right? And, and he said to me, and I swear I still quote this to this day, and I've probably mentioned it in four or five podcasts. He went, You are not failing, you are not trying anything new, yeah. right? And it was a weight off my shoulders. And it is that. And you're right. The other guys that were basically, you may as well just put a CPI increase on the cost and we'll yeah. produce it constantly. And that's it. That's, huh. and yeah. And sorry. And so, yeah, my, you're totally right, month. Your advice is 100% right, which is be happy at work, learn stuff. Yeah. Now, there is also the reality of, you're not going to come on on a seven-figure salary with a, with a company Lamborghini and a private <laughs> yeah. helicopter to get you to work. And there is going to be some grunt times that are yeah, right. absolutely. But can you work in a place that everybody's got each other's back, right? That's, that's yep. got a just basically a no-arsehole policy. 
right? Like yep. seriously. Yep. And if the person that's doing a great job but is behaving really badly, we'll get let go. And even though that's you're right. in it, it's, I'll take probably the sales example. The person yep. that's doubling their target every single quarter, but the place is on fire because of them. Yeah. You want a company that goes, we will take the hits and let them go. Yep. So that we can actually have 10 other people that want to come to work and that have each other back and shoulder to shoulder. And yeah, as top yeah. of that, to me, the other advice would be, especially in marketing, is be shoulder to shoulder with sales. Right. Get Bring sales on the journey right. with you. Like, sales is a function of marketing. Yes. I'm about to go to an event in, in Singapore. We are taking a risk going to this event. And I promise right. you, me and both sales manager, shoulder to shoulder, to give this a crap, right? We're all aware. Yeah. Now, don't get me wrong. Responsibility is with me at the end of the day. It's a marketing budget, and I signed off on it. But wow. we were all prepared to hold hands and jump off the cliff and take a risk yeah. on that one. If yeah. you can find that. Sorry, I'm now answering your question, but yes, yeah, mate. Okay. Well, we're, we're in a, we're in a very final, final question, mate. Um, tell us something we don't know about you. So something I don't know, um, something you don't know about well, me? And, well, most people don't know about you. Because I haven't seen you yeah, for a while. Yeah. Something that most people don't know about me. Um, I am actually considering in my advanced stage in life, do finally doing a PhD. Nice. Which would, yeah. which would put me into the proper boffin yeah. um, category. But... Uh, I am concerned about, about the workload. It is actually a huge amount of work. No, no. I was about to say, with you sitting, you retired to academia. I think yeah. you need to do me a favour. Look up the definition of retired to academia yeah, and see yeah. when you go do a PhD. That would probably be my, my tip on that. But no, mate. Look, I, I'm, I believe in lifelong learning, but I think you learn from yes. everything. And again, you learn from your success and you learn from your failures, but you also learn from... Going to the restaurant and finding that you go, they serve that way or that's how they pitch that. And that's a really cool way. And how can we use that in something else? You know, so. You make a great point, man. I've actually become a much more rounded marketer since I started teaching because I've had to learn and research and study the things that I hadn't practiced in industry. Yep. And marketing is such an, a hugely broad field that um, we can't possibly know it all. Yeah. We can't possibly know it all, be experts in, in every aspect of it. So, yeah, I've, I've become a much more rounded marketer since I started teaching because I've been learning. Yeah. And so I it's think a great point. Now, coming back to the advice of the 21, is, you know, don't just yes. be, you know, uh, media solid. But on top of that, try some new things. Go and do an event, you know, go and do event marketing for a, for a year or two. Go and do some hardcore social stuff. Go and do some content syndication. Go and do some web. Do you know, like, and I remember years ago doing a subject and it was digital marketing. And I yeah. literally had the fork in the road, right? Do I become a hardcore digital marketer? And I decided not yeah. to. And thank God I didn't, because in reality, there is no such thing as a digital marketer anymore. All there's no such thing as a non-digital marketer. You go like even this this discussion. We're going to stick this on the web. We'll be on a web page. We'll do some mailers, but we'll also potentially talk about it at a conference. And when you talk about it at a conference, 
be direct people. When you go into a concert, you give them a brochure to link it to the website to download some assets. Yeah, it's all linked, and the idea all. Yeah, I've been I've been actually been having the discussion internally here to say we should not be teaching a subject called digital marketing anymore. Yeah, yeah. and they go, well, we have to, we have to, and I said, well, can I please, can I please, please teach the unit called analog marketing? Yes. Yeah. We, we must have a unit called analog marketing if we have one called digital marketing. Yes. What about the accounting department? Do they have no business disciplines be more disrupted by digital than accounting? Nobody sits there. When I, when I first started studying, the first accounting assignment was to sit there with an exercise book called a ledger yeah. and a physical ruler and a HB pencil, and I had to rule up a ledger and do debits and credit yes. entry, double entry ledger. Now, digital blew that out of the water 50 years ago. Yep. Nobody, nobody does double entry ledger now, except in, they do it in Myob or yes. yep. QuickBooks or something like that. Yeah. Right, so, but there's no digital accounting subject being offered. Well, I was going to say, there's no analog, so it's not, listen, you Correct. can go in and get a bit of paper. And as I said, it's, like, I can't think of one thing. Now, there will be the odd business. I say there's a couple. There's, there's one up the road from me. It's a specialist bike store. And it is so uh -huh. specialist that everybody in the bike industry knows him. And that's all he cares yep. about, right? I, yeah. He does have a web page, which is a WordPress page, which has not been updated in about 15 years. And he yeah. doesn't care. Because guess what? It's, that is a total word-of-mouth business. Right? And yeah, right? He, he's, he's, his target market is 25 people. Exactly. They're all willing yeah. to spend 25 grand on a bike every two years. And he's right. But in general, as I said, the local pump, you then check Facebook for what's on, right? You, you Google it, right? If you start there. But even on top of that, you're right. I go to a conference. There's a video showing. The video then is a QR code that takes them through to the page. We're giving it, we want their yeah. data. We're scanning their data. We're presenting, but the follow-up email is three different resources. Like I did, I did yeah. a webinar yesterday, and I've just sent it out to the sales guy. And mm -hmm. it's guys, here's a here's a link. But also on the webinar, we talk about these three different resources as part yep. of the follow-up. This is what you're sending them. Like everything's linked, and you're 100 percent right. So yes, yeah, it, it, your your marketing communications need to be integrated. Yes, and in terms of. The, the strategies you're, you're using, whether it be PR or publicity and uh, advertising, personal selling, um, whatever it is, and the media that you deliver those through. So you need to be looking and, and you've got a, a, a large um, toolkit and you the tools that you choose are dependent on the target market, the audience you're trying to talk to and what it is you're trying to tell them make them think, steal, do. When I studied, sorry, I'm about to quote a guy we both spoke about earlier who was a lecturer at Monash, and on the first yeah. week, his line was, a marketer comes up with a toolkit. Yeah. And what you yeah. use depends on what the problem or the challenge you have, right? And I, tell, I tell students that a hammer is a terrific tool, but it's shit ass for cutting wood. Yes, literally, that's it. You do not need to do a massive press release for a conference that you're at, but right. if you've done something really cool there, you yeah. might want to do it, but you don't yes. need to do that. So, yes. Um, Paul, thank you so much, mate. Um, thanks a Pleasure. lot. Everybody's got a lot out in this, and I'm sure they're all going to enjoy it. I've really enjoyed catching up with you, Martin.
I hope you enjoyed the latest episode of Six Questions with a CMO brought to you by Brandwatch. If you'd like to access other episodes of the podcast or gain insights into your brand, go to brandwatch.com slash CMO dash podcast. Thank you.